When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Philip Mateta is off towards the penalty area. And puts one in. It's away by Everton, only as far as Zahar. And put in, is it? It is. Oh no, Jordan Ayew. Everton are two down. Sent deep towards Holgate. Keane. Yes! Michael Keane for Everton. Delhi. Put in dangerously, Richarlison. It's in. Richarlison squeezed it home. Well level. 2-2. Can Everton completely impossible. Race ball in. You have the answer. Look at these scenes. They've done it. Simply heart-stopping stuff at Goodison Park. What a night. What a night indeed. Hello once more, Evertonians. Welcome to the last Toffee Word podcast of the season. Perhaps the longest and most stressful season of our lives, at least since the mid to late 90s. But even then, I don't recall it being this intense. The Toffees are safe, thanks to that dramatic come-from-behind win over Crystal Palace, which made sure of another year of Premier League football at the Grand Old Lady I meant Blues fans could shrug off an almost ritual shellacking by Arsenal on a final day and look forward to another summer of reconstruction under a new manager. Adam McCulloch's off on his jollies this week, and Al Bretland, who we hope to have back in the fold for some shows in the near future, is a new dad following the birth of his daughter Esme not long after Everton's draw at Watford. So many congratulations from all of us at Toffee Web to him. Paul's here, though, as he was with me before and after the Palace game as we drank well into the night with the Blue Room podcast crew at the Denby Castle in town. I've more or less got my voice back, Paul, but how are you, mate? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, yeah, I can't say it was my most productive day in uh, in work on the Friday. We were all very late and the, um, it was funny. I ended up like, down Matthew Street and like, there was a band on that just got like drowned out by by like Everton fans singing uh, She's Electric. This <laughs> is which is just brilliant. Uh, it was really, just 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 really good fun. I think the guy was a vet as well, so we got a bit of jip, and it was yeah, just a really good night, a very late night, and it's just one of them things you didn't really, you just just didn't really want it to end, and uh, yeah, and so wasn't at my best on Friday, but yeah, it was um, yeah, all all, all good. It's uh, first time in a long time. You just had a bit of a spring in your step, and going to going for, out for the bike to eat on Friday night, and there's yeah. Once Evertonians in, in you know, an Everton shirt just locally here on the Wirral, and everyone's got a bit of a smile on the face. It's just everyone just had a bit more of a, a you know, of a jolly, jolly stride as they went about the day, I think. And then same Saturday as well. So it was just, yeah, really, really nice feeling these last, uh, this last week or so. And I don't think we've been able to feel like that probably since maybe August, <laughs> maybe September, <laughs> yeah, you know, when we actually had a few wins. It's been a long time. So, uh, 
yeah, it's been a been a nice sort of week or so. Um, and yeah, it's just nice to maybe switch off a little bit now from football. And uh, yeah, let's see what the summer brings, eh? Indeed. And I'm d- delighted to welcome Andy Howard for his debut on the Toffee Red podcast. Andy is a TV, radio, and podcast broadcaster for none other than the BBC, so he'll certainly raise the quality around here. Uh, Andy, welcome aboard. And why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your blue credentials? Yeah, I'm not sure about that, Lyndon, but thanks for having me. (laughs) Delighted to be here. Um, I'm an Everton fan from birth. My dad didn't give me a choice. Um, He is about as West Country as I am. So we live near Bristol and um, he picked it up in the 60s um, when it was a match of the day when you'd see just one game. And he um, loved the way they play football in the 60s and he just kept it going from then. So when I arrived in the 80s, um, I didn't really have a choice. Um, he took me to my first game at Goodison in 1990. I saw a one-all draw against Luton Town of all of all teams. I, went, I was at the Zenith Data Cup final at Wembley when we lost 4-1 to Crystal Palace. Um, and I think, yeah, I, think I was there too. <laughs> it's, um, it, it, yeah. For some reason, it stuck. <laughs> You'd think that'd be enough to put me off, but it, it wasn't. Um, so, so here I am, uh, some... God knows how many years later and still still feeling and living every bit of it from from down here and yeah I kind of echo what Paul was saying it's just been it's been really emotional in the last few months um and it feels so different now doesn't it it absolutely does it absolutely does um and I I mean I I almost feel I mean as difficult as the season has been it, it reinforces I think everything about what makes this club so special. Uh, I think um, what our fans have done in the last few weeks is um, quite incredible. I mean, we keep saying it on, on here on the podcast and you know, people talking about it on social media, but it really is something um, that no one really has, has ever seen. And it all kind of came to that big climax um, at Goodison last Thursday against Palace. Um, I, 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 none of us wanted to obviously go into that last game needing anything and as it turned out we didn't need to win that game but I think that we did um and having that just having that that night that one kind of as I say climactic night where everything just came together and uh created memories whether you you know wherever you watched it you'll you'll never forget um that evening um it was quite amazing I mean and, and to put it into context of you know that that damp squib at Watford um, and then the shock to the system that was the Brentford game um, and the way that result set a lot of nerves jangling, I think, and reserved, um, resurfaced, sorry, um, some, some we're going down shouts back on social media. I, I mean, the fact that Everton had never come back from 2-0 down to win a game in the Premier League era in what was it, 75 attempts. And then, you know, in their 1,878th top flight win, they go and pull, that, pull it out of the bag. So it feels like it was written in, written in the stars um and it's again unbelievable drive from the from, drive from the fans yeah I, I still can't believe that started like uh, it's the only time we've come from 2-0 down at half time to actually go and win win a game we were, I think we were going through a few of the sort of games which we thought it might have happened then weren't we in the pub afterwards like West Ham away and stuff like that and I just can't believe that <laughs> like because we, I guess when we beat Wimbledon that time we went two down at half time where we were two down in the game but got back to 2-1 before half time you know so Incredible that happened. I still can't quite believe that um, that that start and what the one thousand eight hundred and seventy eighth win was that what was that the start like um, in the in the league was that what it was? <laughs> incredible, top flight, yeah, incredible, yeah, absolutely incredible. So it, uh, it, it, it was so typically Everton, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean to get ourselves into that mess was very Everton, but the way we even got ourselves out of it, I don't think I'm not sure any other club could do that in the way that we did it. Um, and all those numbers and the fact that the number nine scores a diving header at the Gladys Street end. <laughs> I mean, it just had so many Everton like, just markers, didn't it, of, mm-hmm. of, of, of how it all came together. And uh, it's, it was funny. My, my missus asked me afterwards, after it had all settled down, she said, would you have changed anything? And I, that was a really good question because we've had months, haven't we? We've had months and, and she's felt it. I've felt it. Everybody around us, I'm sure, has all felt it. And my answer is no. Uh, and I, 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 I'm sticking by that, that I wouldn't have had it any other way because I think we needed it in a strange way. 
But I mean, the way it all came together, I mean, yeah, the the, the best Everton scriptwriters out there, I don't think could have written that one. <laughs> yeah, it's um, uh, I, I, was, I was saying to someone a lot of while, or somebody was saying to me a lot of while ago, like was, this, this was, I think, before the Brentford game, and we're like saying. God, this season, what a nightmare it's been. He said, yeah, it's, it's bloody exciting though, isn't it? <laughs> when you look back and, and, and then when you look back and, and you look back and we are safe, we have survived. And you think some of the games actually, the, Ars- the Arsenal win, the, the last gas, Newcastle win, the win at Leicester, which is incredible. They obviously the win against Crystal Palace, the Chelsea result, the Man United game. It's, <laughs> there's not that many to choose from, but the ones that they're, they're, every win felt so dramatic, particularly like um, in them closing months of the season, just how we pull out, pull out of it. People ask me, like, did you think we were going to go down and all that? I don't think I ever really thought we were going to go down. They always felt we put a run together until half-time against Crystal Palace. Once we got to half-time against Crystal Palace, I was pretty convinced we were going down at that point. I don't know how you guys felt, but at, at half-time right down, I was just so numb and I just didn't, I just couldn't think of anything. But like, we just haven't got it in us. We're just, we're just done. We're not gonna, you know, we can't, we can't do anything now. We're, we're snookered here. That's what I thought at the time and. Yeah, we managed to turn it around, thankfully. But that's the only time I really thought we were definitely going to go down all this time. So um, maybe I should have started thinking more negatively a bit sooner. It might have, uh, <laughs> might have helped us along a bit quicker. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I didn't think that we were going to come back from 2-0 down, but I still, I still felt that even if we had drawn or lost against Palace, that, that we would have been okay on the Sunday just because one of those two other teams, you know, probably wasn't going to win. And obviously that's the way it, it turned out. I mean, I don't know if it's a, if a, if it's a self-protection thing, but I just couldn't, I couldn't let myself believe that we were going to go down. Um, and I remember feeling the same way in 98 and 94. So um, I don't know, w- whatever power that has, <laughs> maybe it does. See, I, I was different. I thought we would quite early. Um, in fact, at work, we have to change our, our login password every three months. And mine I changed in January was EFC going down. <laughs> Genuinely. Yeah. And, 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 okay, probably a bit early to be thinking like that. But it was something that I could just feel it coming. It was just things were just it felt like at times that it was kind of meant to be that we would go down because things were going against us. We had the VAR, we had injuries, mm-hmm. we had the suspension to Alan at a really bad time. And it was other teams were just picking up. I mean, Burnley sacked Dyche and then picked up. It was like, well, how does that work? Um, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden Leeds won, was it 3-2 away at Wolves late? And then they beat Norwich at late. And I was thinking, oh, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I mean, I needed some convincing, actually. I think I was the opposite to you, Paul, that I kind of feared the worst early. And then around the Chelsea-Leicester time, I thought, ah, actually, I think we'll have enough. But then then, but then we go and do Brentford and you think, oh, <laughs> have we? Um, yeah. Well, I think that and I don't really want, <clears throat> want to... Um, give Simon Jordan and any more airtime than than he needs and gets but i mean he his narrative that this that this team this club almost deserved to go down i mean it, it felt as though you know things were conspiring in that direction um you know the appointment of uh, of Benitez just seemed to be the last really bad decision that the club could make that would just send it down and so i agree i think <clears throat> i think you're uh, your password was very apt at the time. And it, it, it did feel like we were going in, in, in the wrong direction. Um, and when you looked at the managerial candidates that, that they eventually settled on and, and supposedly chose between in January, you know, I mean, Duncan Ferguson could have been the, um, you know, the, the Mike Jackson uh, for, for Everton and, and not had enough to keep us up. Um, Vitor Pereira is just the ultimate wild card. I mean, who knows? What 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 would it would have been like under him, and then you know Frank Lampard, the, the sort of untried, relatively untried young manager, um, but ultimately the right choice, just almost purely because of his um, you know his own demeanor and his own uh, positivity and the way that he connected with the fans. Um, it's going to be really fascinating fascinating to see uh, to see how how he does. Um, I mean, just just to talk a bit about that that Palace first half, it, it felt to me as though some of those old mistakes that that Benitez had fallen into, 
um, you know, the, the lack of a midfield three. Um, obviously, it emerged afterwards that Alan probably couldn't have played because he seems to have been putting off this hernia up to, to try and get us get through the, the end of the season. Uh, but so it turned out that, you know, Lampard didn't really have many options in that midfield. But at the time, having seen the team selection and the, and the way that we, we set up, it just felt as though the same mistakes are being repeated. You know, Andre Gomez in a midfield two hasn't worked and will never work and and didn't work, you know. Um, this this vulnerability at set pieces that just keeps hurting us week after week after week. Um, you know, you have a rare mistake from Jordan Pickford. It, it just felt like everything was, as you say, kind of conspiring against us. Uh, I mean, how, how did you how did you feel about the way that we set up and approached that first half, guys? Yeah, the midfield. I mean, it's. I guess I suppose in, in at the time it was. I think that it was just that outrage of why is he playing Gomez, and I guess and, and why is why is Alan being overlooked on the bench? And now and now we know Alan's been having that injury, I suppose, and has make, been making himself available. And there really wasn't really many alternatives. To be fair, was there to, to Lampard? I mean, it was. It, Van der Beek was on the bit on on the bench. Probably not, you know, not really possible for him to play ninety minutes or start the game. Other than a change of system, I don't really see what else he could probably have done in hindsight. But I mean, it, it's just kind of like it. It just almost feels a bit like go, going in going into war to certain death almost, doesn't it? When you're going like a, a midfield to a Gomez and the Corey because it's them two particularly this season. I'm kind of as a pair, stunk the place out quite a bit in the few, well, they probably had like three or four games together and it, it seems to be pretty awful in, in kind of all of them, whether that's like a Crystal Palace away in the cup was one when we, when we lost 4-0 and those two, those two partnered in the middle. I forget the other game when he played it. Oh, it was Brentford just before, wasn't it? The Brentford, mm-hmm. uh, Brentford game just before that. You know I mean? Just two players not well suited to go along, go alongside each other. Um, so, yeah, when you saw them them lining up, it was a uh, yeah. You did you did scratch your head. I, I, I don't think I'd even saw the team lose until I was actually in my seat. I don't think by the time I got into the ground, I got in like maybe 20, 20 minutes before kickoff. I hadn't seen the team lose or anything like that. And then seeing Gomez trotting out there, I was like, oh, what? There <laughs> we go. So I guess it's that an uh, immediate um, uh oh sort of <laughs> sort of feeling. Um, and yeah, I think like that you that first start as, as you as you well described, Lyndon. All the sort of worst nightmares came to fruition. Even like the yet another oh should have been a red card sort of challenge on a really mm-hmm. bad challenge that wasn't it on um yeah. on uh, on on uh, uh, Gordon Anthony Gordon it was really poor that and um, again we got to scratch our heads one more time at Arsenal didn't we with a, which probably was a penalty well on on a Wobie but again it's the easy argument of why wasn't that one against City given why was you know and etc cetera, etc cetera. and the the inconsistencies of VAR just we'll, we'll probably go on about it for quite some time throughout the summer and hopefully it can we get more out of it this um this 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 coming season but um yeah like I say half time the first half you could just throw it all in the bin really it's just, just that second half was just absolutely uh <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> um but yeah I guess he was just short of options more than anything else in the middle and I guess that's just what he had to go with um and quickly changed it didn't he went as soon as he could. It's the one thing that I think Frank Lampard's been quite stubborn over because we, we've known a stubborn manager, haven't we, at Everton over the past 10 years where they just stick to what they're going to do regardless of how it's going. But And he's changed, to be fair. He's, he's you know, evolved what he has. But that's the one thing he kept doing that I just couldn't understand because it, it, it just looked so much better in a three. And, and and whenever really we've played a three, it's looked better. I'm, I'm, I go back to before his time, but uh, the, the Arsenal home game when... They changed to a three in that game, and but Gomez was part of that three, and and it just seemed to whoever was in there, it just seemed to look so much better. And I think that's the one thing I could. Well, there's a few things I could put at Lampard in terms of how he set up tactically, but in terms of selection, I know he's down to bare bones, and you think, well, who's going to be the three? And good question, but I wonder whether he could have got. A half each out of Allen or Davis or or, or Van der Beek or Delhi. I mean, or a Wobi. I mean, there are players that could make a three, and I just wondered. Yeah, I was the same. I was wondering, can't we just get any three in there and just see how it looks, rather than this thing where it just looks so open in there, hasn't it? It's looked like you could drive a bus through our midfield for yeah. so long with a two. Yeah, but I mean, ultimately, that's what he did. He he threw on. 
Delhi rather than moving, yeah. say, Iwobi back in there. Um, and, and I think you're right. Any three, I think, is better than those two. <laughs> you know, even if yeah, you, yeah. I mean, because Andre Gomez can play in a three, and it's really it's the only way that he can as a sort of left sided, more advanced uh, member of a three. I think we've seen some of his best work when he's been further forward, um, just because he's you know such a liability outside his own area. And I think it, it was both, was it both he and Ducore who uh, committed the foul that, that led to the, the opening goal that um, horrendously, <laughs> horrendously defended free kick that Mateta scored. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I, if had, had you said that, you know, that Delhi Ali was going to be the one that, that, that came on and, and fundamentally changed the game, I think a couple, you know, a few of us might've raised some eyebrows, but it, it's certainly, um, it certainly showed that he still does have something to contribute when when his head's right and he's motivated. Yeah, I'm a bit disappointed we haven't seen more of Deli Ali actually, like more starts from him. <laughs> and I guess you know, the fact that he started against Arsenal an absolute no, dead dead rubber game absolutely completely defies this theory of like, oh, he's not been playing him because we have to pay X amount when he plays this many games. Because why on earth would he play in that game if you if you you know if you're not trying to play him for the you know if you're trying to hold off on appearances, you know, because that, obviously that would have made no sense to play him in that game and the game didn't matter. Um, just the times he has come on, maybe it's I don't know. His attitude ain't there. I think we were saying that before the game, weren't we? In the pub, um, is, the, you know, is, is his attitude bad in training? Is um, it, it, it's just not a role for him at the moment? It, is he not fit enough to play ninety minutes? In which case, there's no point starting him. I don't know. I'm just like the times he's come on. There's been a few good cameos. Um, Leicester City at home being one. Liverpool away. I thought he did pretty well when he came on in that one. And then this this one obviously was a, a real game changer. I'm a bit, a bit disappointed we haven't seen more of Delhi Ali. Interesting to track what the uh, what 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 happens with him next season. Will he still be an Everton player? There's rumour that he's um, you know that he potentially be moved on already. Uh, be interested to see what happens with Delhi. Um, but yeah, certainly fair play to him in that game. But uh, well, the whole material worked. I don't know. Just they, they just worked as a unit so well. Um, just through sheer effort and desire. To be fair to them, I think particularly Awobi and um, and Decore in the second half, they were just kind of everywhere. Awobi just was not giving that up, was he? He was just uh, mm-hmm. absolutely everywhere, all over the pitch in that game, and just just sheer will. Um, you can say that about nearly all the players in the second half. To be fair, it wasn't. Massive quality. It was just real effort, wasn't it? Real determination to sort of drag ourselves over the line. Great ball in from um, uh, Damari Gray for the goal. That's one of the things we've derided as our inability to take set pieces this season, particularly since we lost a few good set piece takers um, from last season. Um, Gordon's taken so many, so many frustrating overhits or gone out of play before they've gone in, sort of corner kicks, etc. The Marvies haven't been great, but I'd say he's, he's improved his end product. But that whether just, that's just training and practicing, I don't know. But he put in a good one for you know away at Leicester and put in such a good great ball for for Dominic to, to head home. Uh, so yeah, at least we managed to find something from set piece a little bit. But I think that's if we're looking at areas to improve in the summer. I'd say we really need a dead ball specialist. I mean, we get a free kick, you never really feel we're going to score it. You don't really feel we've got an opportunity really in and around the box. So. Um, yeah, that's certainly one area I'd be looking to sort of try and try and pick up this uh, pick up a really good set piece taker for for the for next season uh, who can obviously play a bit as well. Um, really intrigued to see what we do this summer, who comes in and uh, and how the see how we end, how we look at the start of next season because obviously there's there's a lot of talk, isn't there, that we might have to let one or two go and um, yeah, we all know who they would probably be. So intrigued to see what the summer holds for that. Inside the stadium, when did you think we're going to do this? I think throughout stoppage time, the referee, you could see Palace didn't want to know, and the referee just was just giving Everton everything. But at that point, he was. was. (laughs) (laughs) So there was a Bay and Goodison. He didn't want to be the guy who gave away a penalty or gave, you know, he was everything, every sort of fifth. It was like free kick, free kick. It was like, I don't know. Must be like what it's like if you support Liverpool or Manchester City or some of that. I was like, oh wow, we get <laughs> you get everything here. You know, we just gave like literally everything to um, yeah, everything to us. It was, but at that point, it just felt like that. Well, they can't get any fluidity. It's like you know that they know everyone's going to run on the pitch. They just want to get off the pitch. Yeah, the referees, the referee when he blew his wrist, he was legging it off <laughs> when he blew his wrist. Yeah, you know I mean, so like. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I, um, I, I don't know what point, but it was in injury time. I, I, there was a certain point in injury time. I was like, well, hang on, they're not Palace aren't playing now, and the referee's not 
<laughs> not letting them play either. So I think um, I thought whatever that, whatever minute that was, when that became apparent then, and then it was kind of all right. Maybe you couldn't relax until that last minute, that last whistle went. I suppose, but um, yeah, that no. was probably the moment. I guess I, I couldn't, <laughs> but I think once it got <laughs> once it got to two two, I think was that that was the when I obviously felt that we could do it. Um, I start, I don't know whether I was confident that we would. Um, Actually, just that those last sort of 15, 20 minutes are a bit of a blur anyway. Uh, but I think after after we'd scored, um, there, actually, there's a picture of the one where um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is kind of doing his his Jesus Christ thing at the end. That, that still picture where he's got his arms out wide, he's looking straight at the camera amongst all the players afterwards when everyone's on the pitch. But um, if you look in the corner, Mason Holgate right. has got his hands over his on his face, like, um, you know, um, I can't believe what's happened or, um, you know, I, I, I can't, I can't deal with it. That, that's how I was. I was, I had, I've just had my hands on my face for the last 10 minutes. Going, Can we do this? Can we do this? Oh my God. It's seven minutes of stoppage time. It was, <laughs> it was, it was torturous. But I mean, as you say, um, Anthony Taylor certainly seemed to get sort of swept along with it. And this is where the, you know, the psychology and the, of referees, it, 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 there's definitely a, um, you know, a shift where they kind of, they, they, they mold their, their decisions to the, to the game. And it was a very physical game, but there were a couple of challenges in there. I mean, Calvert-Lewin had a, had a particularly um, hairy challenge that, you know, I think, I think he got the ball, but it was fair. It was fairly robust. And obviously Michael Keane, I think went through a player and only got a, a yellow card as well. So there were some pretty strong challenges in there that, um, and actually, for those of us who grew up on, on a more physical game, I, I think they were the right decisions. They're the sorts of decisions that used to be, you know, just, okay, yellow card, but just, you know, get up, brush yourself off and get on with the game rather than everyone paying for red cards every five seconds. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was quite the nervy conclusion. But uh, yeah, as I say, I think at 2-2, I think we all started to believe that the old cliche put one in the box and the Gladys street will suck it in is um, it certainly yeah. came to pass. And it certainly felt like that was on the cards. Cause as you say, Paul, I mean, palace just increasingly did not want to know. And that played into yeah. our hands. <laughs> could, could you blame them either? Really? I mean, that's yeah, they're nothing riding on the game. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the way our players were flying into things at that point, they probably, oh, I don't want to get injured. I'm off to Dubai next week. I mean, yeah, so sort of stuff, you know, didn't want to, yeah, they, they, they weren't really participating at that point. Um, yeah, that challenge by Keane, um, I haven't seen it back yet. I mean, on, on another day in a different game, it's it's a red card a lot of the time probably, isn't it? You know, like in, in, the, in the modern game, certainly. So mm-hmm. um, but then again, if you're going to let that one go by Ayu in the first half, then that's the rod you make for your back, isn't it? If that's if that, if that if you deem that acceptable, you can't then you know, punish another player for a much lesser challenge, you know? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's just so evident the, uh, the 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 way he did that, wasn't it? It's never been straightforward, as um as we said earlier. Um, getting on um full time, we um yeah, we just there. Everyone like got on the pitch, obviously, and we were just kind of there. And then the two lads that go the game with, they were like, oh, "Are you going on the pitch?" I was like, "No, no, 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 no I'm staying stay here." They they went on, they they went on the pitch, and then I could see them on the pitch. Um, I was just like that's. I, I, I was immediately filled with envy. I was like, oh, I'm not having it. <laughs> so, <laughs> had to go on myself. Then when it was at that point of like, like everyone would, you know, the stewards weren't by no means trying to stop anyone going on this point. You know, it's just a bit of a party on there. So uh, yeah, and obviously when I finally got on the pitch, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find the lads by that point because it's just chaos everywhere. But uh, yeah, I, I think I thought as well. Well, how many other opportunities we're going to get to actually walk on the Goodison pitch and look back at the Gladys Street and all that? And then moments, I suppose, will live with me forever. You know. And just uh, seeing a pitch like that and an atmosphere like that, and um, certainly the best atmosphere I've ever experienced uh, watching Everton. Um, I do it'd do well to be topped, don't you think, Lennon? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I I was in the main stand and I couldn't actually move for people anyway. I so I, I was in the second tier. I couldn't have got down to the pitch even if I wanted to. Um, but I was on. I mean, I, I went on in, in '98. Um, so I, oh, I yeah. thought it was, yeah, I did. So I kind of felt like I, it was nice to see, to have the vantage point that I did, where you just, just basically just stood and watched it all. Um, and then just the, the rendition after rendition of, you know, all the songs at, you know, ear splitting volume. I mean, it was, it was, it was amazing. And I was just thinking that what we were talking about before, uh, Palace sort of not wanting to know, I, to be an opposition player, 
facing that kind of atmosphere must really be something, um, you know, pretty, pretty intimidating by that point. <laughs> it looks so, so special. Um, I wasn't there, so and, and I wish I was, but I wasn't. But it just looked, it looked like one of those nights that might not happen there again. Um, I don't know. We might. We, we never know. We might have a better one in the next two years. But um, nothing could have, nothing could have hit me any harder than just seeing those scenes afterwards and just the overriding pride. And 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 I, I we might get onto celebration police. I'm not sure whether we're going to go down that line tonight. But uh, I just felt so incredibly proud to be an Everton fan and so incredibly proud to be part of it in some way. And to have been on the roller coaster with all those people that I could see on that pitch, um, and it, it was—I mean, from from miles and miles and miles away, it was—it was a. I, th- I don't think I'll ever forget that night, and and I wasn't even there. Um, it, it was just something that it it, it kind of it, it spoke to me, you know, it, it really did. And and I'm going back to the question that I was asked: Would you have it any other way? And I think for moments like that, no, I wouldn't. And it just it it was so special to even be an a, a, just an observer, um, and I, I I don't think there are many other clubs. Well, we all, I probably all, all fans say this, don't they? But I genuinely think that not many clubs could have done it like we did it. No, I agree. I have hundred percent agree. I don't think so, and I wouldn't have changed it any other way because the way that we did it is what made it so special. And at the end, you know, and, and this, this, this idea of, as you say, the celebration police, unless you've lived what we have lived, not only this season, but over the last few years, this, um, you know, ever since uh, the, the sort of the, the, the dream that Roberto Martinez, the, his first season, that dream that he sold us, the frustration that we have gone through on an annual basis, trying to get this right, um, watching other teams, be they Leicester, be they West Ham, um, even Spurs and Arsenal to a degree, is, you know, getting things right or more right than, than we have. And we're con- constantly spinning our wheels, um, uh, you know, and then to see, to have Carlo Ancelotti, but then be dumped by Carlo Ancelotti and then have Rafael Benitez foisted upon us. You know, it's it's something that unless you have lived through it and endured it, um, and, and sort of gone through the pain of seeing this once great club floundering, you know, the, I, I can't see how anyone can can begrudge us celebrating the fact that we've stayed up. And it's not really a celebration of of what the team has achieved, but it's more a celebration of how this club and the fan base has come together and made it all happen. Um, so, I mean, honestly, let let them say what they want. We, as Evertonians, know what this meant. Um, and just the, the, the leap forward that, that we have made as a collective this season, um, that I'm going to be interested to see how things, you know, next season, how, how what's the atmosphere going to be like? What's the, um, you know, what's, what's the reception going to be like for the team next season? It's going to be really interesting to see. I, I don't think, I don't see it changing an awful obviously we can't get we can't get that every game obviously the palace no. like uh, I, don't heart, I don't think my heart could take it but like um I, I can see that same sort of vibe coming for the fan frank's frank's a smart father i think he i think he knows to draw on that i think he i can i could see frank being at the start of the season come on we need you guys behind us look what you did last season look what we did together i, I can imagine we'll hear them sort of sound bites you know we want the same again we want the you know we want the support we want the flares we want you to be vocal and Somehow the the, the crowd, the, the Evertonians, become so united this uh, these this last couple of months. I could just I could see that carrying on, at least at least uh, you know if, as the season starts. And who knows if we get it might I don't know might drop off if we end up sort of just floundering in mid table and just you know it's quite difficult to sort of you know be that up for every single game when you're not really competing an awful lot. But so you start the season, I could see that being the case and. Um, yeah, and if you can kick on with a good start, then then just then just who knows? I mean, I think what I'm kind of getting at is like um, we've really seen, and I don't think we've we've seen for a long, long time. We've really seen the power, the uh, how much influence a, a good support can can can, uh, can carry a club, and we've seen that in buckets um, these last sort of few months at Everton. Uh, really, have the crowd are just. Uh, I'm, I'm still, yeah, I'm, I'm, 
it's it's a it's not unreasonable to suggest that Everton <clears throat> wouldn't have got out of this without that crowd. Um, that, that's not unreasonable at all. Um, the games that I don't know, you, you think for them Pickford saves and all that. Like, I mean, it's Pickford's gone here against Chelsea. Pickford's gone and made it against Leicester. Pickford's gone and made that saves, but. Is he actually motivated because of the crowd? Is he is he more pepped mm-hmm. up because of the crowd? And you know, I mean, just as an example, you know, Holgate, brilliant performance last year. You know, would he be that would he be that good if the crowd are snarling and uh, complaining, etc.? No, you know, what I mean, so it's um, a lot of these performances. The, the, the crowd really really deserves to pat themselves on the back for this because they really sort of carry the team through this. And now the crowd has seen what they can do. Um, let's hope it all sticks together for next season. We're all still behind it, and um, I think Frank's a smart enough bloke. The good thing is the crowd's behind Frank. Um, they certainly weren't behind the last manager before him, you know. So, and it's um, yeah. And thinking it, when it was uh, when you were saying before about oh, your passport is AFC going down and sort of in uh, in uh, back in January and all that. I'd almost erase that from a memory of like uh, how bad things were actually because we were on just such a spiral of silly defeats and just like you couldn't see, you couldn't believe that Rafa kept the kept the gig for so long actually because it was just going nowhere and it was so apparent it was going nowhere. Um, so yeah, I guess but and somehow we, somehow we managed to stay out of that t- out, out of the bottom three for so long, didn't we? Uh, during that time, but yeah, it just it, it just felt such a hopeless cause then. Um, you, I suppose you figured the change would have to come at some point. I'd even forgotten Duncan Ferguson, the manager <laughs> for, for a game. That's how like you know, how long ago this all seems. You know, I mean, it's uh, we've lived the highs and lows so much this season. So you're right. I don't think you can really begrudge any of the supporters for the way they, they reacted and behaved like that um, on, on that uh, on that night because it was just an incredible. Magical, magical experience. Um, we'd love more of it, but we'd love more of that for the right reasons, of course. I don't want that to be the case. <laughs> we don't have we're celebrating like that every season for them reasons, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, onwards and upwards, and uh, let's, see, let's see if Frank can take us there. It's human nature, isn't it? I mean, I think your emotional reaction to something that could be catastrophe and isn't, you know, the relief of that, mm-hmm. I think, is always. It's always going to be as much or even probably more than if you're celebrating being genuinely good at something. I mean, it's just the the the, the fear of death, isn't it? It's like it's the fear yeah. of something going yeah, yeah. wrong. It's the fear of falling off the cliff is going to be mm-hmm. much, a much more stark emotion than climbing up the cliff. You know, it, it, um, yeah, I mean, that's how it felt to me anyway. It just felt every living breath, every every time you did something that was completely unfootball related, you thought, oh no, Everton, Everton, <laughs> yeah, and and the relief of the, the relief of that, I think, is going to be quite a strong emotion. I think that's what we saw, you know, um, and also yeah. just well, you mentioned Frank Lampard and um, where he took it over from. The sixteenth to sixteenth thing has got my goat mm-hmm. massively. <laughs> yes, um, I mean, you know, if if you if you if a plane is going to hit the ground and a pilot takes over at five hundred feet. And yes. keeps it at five hundred feet to, to land safely somewhere else. He's done a really good job, believe me. Um, yes. You know, bizarre. I mean, that's. I think a few true colours have come out there, but I mean, that's yeah. just been a bizarre thing. That that needs so much more context than the league position. Well, it's a, it's a very similar analogy to the one that I thought of. Is if you've got something um, almost like a um, like a but someone on a bungee cord on a on a bungee jump. They're in free fall and they're going to slow at some point. They're going to go lower and then to bounce back up. And I think that's more or less what we were, is that Frank Lampard came in and actually assured that the elastic actually worked and we didn't just keep <laughs> falling, you know. And, and that really is, is, is testament to him. I mean, I think that his record, at least before the, the, the final day of the season, would have, would have had us 12th over a normal season. Um, which is no, which is not bad. You know, it's not it's not what Eddie Howe did, but Eddie Howe had the benefit of a more rounded squad that was bolstered in the right areas in January, where, whereas ours patently wasn't. And the signings that we did make, with the exception of Vitaly Mikalenko, made almost no contribution until you know Deli Ali stepped in with his his crucial crucial intervention against Palace. Um, but I think. If we can get some of the recruitment right over the summer, then I think we can definitely carry this this sort of spirit through into the new season. Uh, and I think that Lampard can can recapture some of what I was saying that about Roberto Martinez's first season, when there was almost this um, rebirth of 
of the Goodison crowd. You know, we had fresh new chants. There was excitement. You know, we had the Barkley song. We had the Roberto song. Whereas, you know, we'd sort of had years and years of this kind of mundane, where are we going with Moyes thing? Um, and I think that there's a possibility now that, that, that Lampard can carry that side of it through and, and sort of keep um, keep the um, the excitement and, and, and the motivation among the supporters going. Um, but a lot of it will come down to recruitment. Um, I mean, just for, for the little that we'll say about the Arsenal game, it, it, it certainly underscored, given how patched up and, and, and changed that team was, it underscored the need that we do have for, for, for new signings. That some of those players are unfortunately um, just not going to make the grade as first choice players. Um, Tom Davis, John Joe Kenny, uh, f- as examples. Um, it, it, it was it was as one sided a match I think as I've seen as I've seen all season, and a lot of that had to do with those those kind of shortcomings, but also just the fact that the team was just tired, emotionally spent, um, you know, just emo- just emotionally done, and you could see it. And <laughs> as we as supporters, honestly, didn't care. Uh, the first two goals came in, and we just we sang even louder. Admittedly, when the third, fourth, and fifth goes in, we kind of lost interest in in in, in that side of it, and <laughs> thoughts have more or less drifted to the title race. Um, but I think, yeah, it, it did sort of illustrate that um, there is plenty of work to be to, to be done on the recruitment side. Um, and God, please fix the set pieces, defending them, taking them. Um, but yeah, let's 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 see what happens over the summer. I think there's there's definitely scope. Um, to get some exciting signings in there to carry this uh, this momentum forward. I suppose the last couple of months, what it has done is it's given Lampard time, hasn't it? Yes. You'd think, you'd hope that we'd given us a base level of optimism, a base level of unity mm-hmm. that we say, okay, well, you got us out of a mess there, however you did it. You got us out of a mess. And I hope, I don't know what you guys think, I, I would hope now that he is given a few windows to, to, to put it right and put it in his, his image, I, I hope. Well, we have to have some kind of consistency and longevity now. It's just we have to have some some time period now to let someone actually just sit in the job for a while and, and make it his own. But obviously, if it goes spectacularly badly, then we'll obviously have to rethink it. But we just need now to give someone give someone their head and just, just run with it and imprint their philosophy on it. And obviously, together with Kevin Thelwell, Hopefully Lampard knows he he'll have seen enough over the three months that you know what's needed and how what he needs to sort of play the way he really wants to play. I'd say as well, like in, in fairness to Mashiri, like his his last two appointments prior to Lampard, they they he, he I'm I'm convinced he saw them as long term. He didn't think Carlo would be off that you know that soon. Nobody really thought Real Madrid were going to come back for Carlo. He, yeah. he was never going to get the sack, Carlo. You know what I mean? Um, but I mean, he, for all the opposition uh, to Rafa, you know, Rafa Benitez, he, he must have thought, well, you know, no, this guy, I'm going to have to stick with him for like, he's not just here for, yeah, he's here for like to get us into the new stadium. He's here for like three, four, you know, however many years until we're there. I think that was probably the plan, keep us afloat until, you know, until we can kick on a bit more. Um, went drastically wrong. But I think the plan was to keep those two guys there long. I suppose, if, <laughs> I guess if Everton are doing well, the plan will always be to, <laughs> to get to give the manager time, I suppose. But I think those two were probably seen as longer term appointments. Um, you're certainly right. I think um, managers need about again, unless it's dire straits like it like it was on the Rafa Benitez. Managers need about three years, really. I would have thought. I think I've, I've always kind of thought that that should be the sort mm-hmm. of right. Remember Howard Kendall saying that, and, and it, it's still true now. I think if, if you haven't, if if you got nowhere in three years, you're probably not going to get anywhere. You're probably you're, you're, you're probably not on the right path by that, at that point. And it's probably not the worst time just to 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 call it a day there for the yeah for the for them to make a different decision. If your things things are going well after three years or so, then yeah, you get you see you're in the right direction and things are going well. It's it's not rocket science, but yeah, I don't know. So, so I think expectations have changed now as well. You know, as fans, when when Marco Silva's um, tenure was going south, there was like, okay, we're we're not going to qualify for Europe now. We're not going to achieve this um, this Champions League dream anytime soon under Marco Silva. And he clearly is not learning um, from his mistakes. He was as stubborn as anyone about his formations and, and all the rest of it. And I think that was why everyone was had just sort of reached their limit with him. If you get into the same situation, I think now with Frank Lampard, he will hopefully be afforded a bit more time because, as I say, the expectation now is that we need to rebuild, that mid-table is, is the first, the first um, goal 
rather than sort of going hell for leather for for the Champions League. And I think that will hopefully um, hopefully stand Lampard in good stead in terms of supporter expectation and and, and patience. I mean, if you look at if you look at the contracts that are out this summer, but then look at the contracts that are out next summer, mm-hmm. um, and you know yeah. he has to. I mean, unless obviously it goes badly wrong, but you know, just looking at it, Mina's out next summer. Alan, if he hasn't gone already, to Corey, uh, we've still got a year of Rondon. Uh, you know, we've got um, Coleman's <laughs> Coleman's out next summer, um, and at that point, you know, Davies is out next summer. So at that point, you could quite conceivably have completely shifted the squad in terms of what he mm-hmm. wants. And I think he needs to be given, what will that be, this summer window, the January window, which I don't know whether we'll do much in, depends, I guess. But And then next summer, then I think we can start to, you know, maybe think again about, okay, where where, where can we get that's exciting? But until that point, you're absolutely right. I think we're, we'll, I'd, I'd be delighted with 12th. I'd, I'd, I'd be running... I'd be running up and down the living room if we've got 12th next year. It sounds great, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound amazing? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Pleasantly <Yeah>. boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you get, you get to that point as well. We're into the, into the new stadium then, aren't we, as well? Is that right? If you want to get to the next two, or is it another year? There's another there? year, isn't there? Oh, so it's three years, yeah, is 20, it? 2024, uh, isn't it? Isn't that the goal? Beginning yeah. of 24-25, I think. Okay. Right, yeah. right, okay. So, yeah, um, okay, maybe another year. But, yeah, you see what I'm getting at, though. I think by, the, by this point, we're probably looking to, you know, you move into this, this beautiful new stadium. And, well, did Denise um, Baxadale, did she come out and say, oh, we want to be winning the league when we get to that new stadium? Under Carlo, I think, or some, or some quote to that effect. And, uh, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll rephrase that and see uh, <laughs> see where we are. But, like, yeah. We didn't say, she, she didn't say which one, did she? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, being a being a solid Premier League team again would be like um, a top ten Premier League team would probably be the main goal with that one with aspirations <laughs> of Europe again. But yeah, the here and now it's um, walk walk don't run. It's a rebuild. We all know that. If you I don't know, get a good cup run in the meantime, or get you know get win it. Well, I suppose win a cup. I suppose would be the priority there. If we get any sort of European competition, but you're right. Let's um, yeah lay some foundations in the league. Sort of get back to basics a little bit more and. Um, yeah, kick on, I guess. Um, but yeah, that does, you're right. It just sounds like a dream, doesn't it? It's next season, solid 12th and, you know, less silly results. Yeah, more, um, yeah, something to build on. Yeah, it doesn't sound too hellish all of a sudden, does it? <laughs> well, by then also, you've got the likes of Branthwaite, older. You've got, you know, the likes of Welch and Price and Dobbin mm-hmm. and, you know, we Anthony Gordon will be a year older. You know, it's... Patterson, maybe a year older, Mikalenko, you know, you could see the basis of a team kind of forming. Um, but yeah, yep. exactly. Walk, don't run is the is the key now, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm sure we'll have uh, future pods to to chat about who's who's leaving, who's going, who's gone. Um, all the, the <laughs> speculation over who might come in. Uh, but for now, regular uh, listeners obviously know that we do a, a weekly question each each uh, week. And this week, I wanted to get um, you fellas' thoughts on pitch invasions. Um, obviously, there's been quite a few of them in the last couple of weeks, up and down the leagues. Um, and we've obviously had some fantastic ones at Goodison, including the one last Thursday. But there's obviously been a few unsavory incidents about these. So pitch invasions, are they, are they becoming a problem? And, and if so, what do you do about it? You missed such a good opportunity there, by the way. When the, uh, Andy said, walk, don't run. That is, oh, well, that brings us nicely into our next question. Oh, about, uh... what, a, what a segue <laughs> I missed there. <laughs> so I work in marketing, you see. There you go. <laughs> I mean, they're great, aren't they? They're great. I mean, you, you, two will know, you two will know from Thursday, they're brilliant things that people can come together and celebrate something after a big, important game. Um, but I suppose it's the kind of, um, I suppose with allowing X amount of people onto a pitch, you're always going to get the 1% that abuse the fact that they're on a pitch. Um, Unfortunately, it's, yeah. It's like anything, isn't it? I mean, if that number of people are doing something at the same time, someone is going to probably do something that they shouldn't. Um, uh, I, I mean, I was, just to give a bit of uh, local context down here, I, I was in the 
on the pitch with Bristol Rovers the other day because they won 7-0 to be promoted on the last day. Which was amazing. <laughs> Unbelievable and on, result. I mean, honestly, that went nuts at the end. Um, and that was all really good natured. But then in when you're in the middle of those, and I'm sure you felt it on Thursday, when you're in the middle of a kind of throng of people that are kind of very, very high, it, 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 it can be a bit scary. And you think, crikey, anybody could have anything in this crowd. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's, it, it can be... Um, you're in the lap of the gods a bit with it. Um, and I know you're all there to celebrate. And you know, you're, for you guys, you're, you're all there with ever fellow Evertonians. But then you look at what happened with Vieira and you look at what happened, um, you know, with That's the Sheffield, Sheffield United yeah. game. Uh, I don't know what you do about it because you can't put fences up again. We've been there. Um, so I, I don't I don't know how you police it because you you physically can't can you I mean you can't get enough bodies there to stop people coming on so I don't know what the answer is I think they're great but I don't know what the answer is in terms of it something always happens or it's tended to in the last few weeks that that have marred it in some way yeah and it's the it's the uh, it's the it's the opposition players being there that really seems to be the issue is because that's the ones who they're targeting. Mm. I can't imagine going onto a field and wanting to either <clears throat> physically or verbally abuse an opposition player. I mean, it was just to I me, mean, that's just me, obviously. And I'm, you know, if, if people are tanked up on alcohol or if they're just pre, no, just, just naturally predisposed to being that way, um, then that, then that's obviously the danger, as you said. And it's, it doesn't even take 1%. It just takes one. Yeah. One single person out of fifteen thousand, maybe we had fifteen thousand on the pitch to to, to do something ridiculous and, and hurt someone, and then the the, the whole dy- the whole dynamic of it changes. Um, I mean, in terms of what to do about it, I mean, I suppose there people they might look into not having full scale fences, but lower fences, collapsible barriers, um, you know, for emergencies that would at least slow things down because. As you said, Andy, you cannot have enough stewards to hold back a tide of, of thousands of people who are wanting to, to, to get on to storm the pitch. Um, I was listening to the the game podcast, which I think is the, from the Times, and they were talking about how in Germany they have nets up, um, which again is designed to slow things down rather than than you know eliminate them entirely because I think they're they're attached to the to the to the pitch by Velcro or whatever, so they're they're removable. Again, in, in in case of emergency, um, and then obviously the other the other solutions which seem to be being talked about more than these physical barriers are you know things like points deductions and and, and playing matches behind closed doors, which obviously none of us want to see. Um, I suspect that it, it this it obviously won't be. I guess unless something happens in in the Champions League final <laughs> this Saturday, I, I, this probably won't come to a head again until the end of next season. So. Maybe it just dies down for a while, but uh, yeah, it's 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 not going to be an easy one to solve. I don't think it like us to go down the the route of sort of nets or anything like that. I mean, I, I know that's not what you're kind of advocating, but and I don't know if it's a good enough reason to not do it. But I just maybe I just feel like it loses that sort of identity of what the English football, British football kind of is mm-hmm. of like you're close to the crowd and all that. You know, what I mean, it just has that sort of identity to it. Again, I don't know if that's a good enough reason to to, to not do it or not. I don't know. It's um, you, you just wonder like, if somebody's going to come on and hurt somebody with like I don't know, someone wants to bring like a knife or something like that to to try and attack a player or another fan or mm-hmm. something like that to the to the ground. I this sounds really odd, but like it, it, a lot of factors have to go go their way for that to happen. So there has to definitely 100% be a pitch invasion, really. Otherwise, it's just kind of one man running onto the pitch. And that can happen anyway at any time anyway, can't it? You know, so really, so the result needs to go their way. I mean, would, would there have been a pitch invasion at Man for the Man City game if they just come and stroll to a 4 win against Villa then at full time? You know, everyone knows he'd probably already won the league long before. Probably not. It's yeah, just the dramatic circumstances not. of it. A lot of factors have to happen, like this crazy 7-0 win, which got Bristol up. A lot of factors have to happen for a pitch invasion to actually occur. It's never really sort of like a premeditated, right, us 20,000 fans, we're going to storm on the pitch now. Yeah, you know, it's just it's it's just a feeling, it's an emotion which which um, comes as a result of something that's happened as, you know, significant as Everton clawing the way back to stay, to stay in the league. So, yeah, I think anyone can come in, you know, with, with some sort of weapon to try and attack somebody in any event anyway. And I don't think a, a pitch invasion 
whether pitch invasion does or does not occur, that could happen regardless. You know what I mean? So I don't really see. It, it, I don't want to go. I, I don't want to sort of downplay the, the the potential severity of it, but I don't think the it's the pitch invasion itself which is the is the issue. It's just that people can maybe it's it's about I don't know better searches going into the ground, better you know more you know I don't know more punishments for individuals or something like that. I don't know. It seems harsh to punish clubs because there's so little you can really do about it as a, as a club. I think um, unless they sort of like you say look at the nets or something like that, but. I wouldn't really want to go down that road. You've had, you know, them sort of problems before. Problems of and like barriers, obviously, stuff like that before, as we know. So, um, yeah, I, I just don't know if pitch invasion itself is the problem. It's it's checking people better going into the ground. I never get checked going into Goodison. Never, you know, no one checks me any any time going to Goodison. I don't away away nearly every away ground to get sort of padded down and checked and all that. Like, and it's not the most thorough check at most of the time. I don't think it take a. A, a genius to smuggle something in, but maybe, you know, would that be a better compromise to really thoroughly check people as they're going into the ground to check there's no weapons and stuff like that? That might be a better compromise, maybe. I don't know. It feels like a trend, doesn't it, at the moment? It feels yeah. like it's very on trend that, I don't know, it started a few weeks ago with maybe playoff games and, you know, games that mean something. There's an outcome, you know, there's a there's a big outcome at the end of a game and then all of a sudden it just seems to have kind of, well, we want our pitch invasion now. Um, you know, <laughs> everybody's getting on the board. And I wonder whether it, like you said, Lyndon, I mean, the, the Champions League final is, a, and obviously the championship playoff final is pretty much the only thing left, really. I wonder whether in the course of a normal season, whether it'll just die down again and die away again. And um, I, yeah, it just feels like a very trend thing at the moment. Yeah, well, let's hope so. I mean, I hope it doesn't become sort of a, um, you know, how these social contagion things happen where they they just sort of gradually get more and more troublesome, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's less about premeditated things as you were talking about, Paul, and more about just that spur of the moment idiocy that, you know, someone who's just completely off their face i mean that 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 that, that guy who who had butted the um the sheffield united player i mean that was, sharp. yeah i mean how, how premeditated could that have been i probably just went bouncing on the pitch and then just nutted him for absolutely no reason whatsoever <laughs> i mean how i mean apart from yeah. as i say having having ways of preventing him getting on the pitch how do you how do you legislate for that so yeah it's it's not it's not an easy one but yeah i hope as you say hopefully it's um it's just a, tr- a current trend that, that 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 does go away, and and it's more the product, as you say, of some of these extraordinary results, like the you know the, the seven mil one that you were talking about, Andy, and then you know our comeback, Manchester City's comeback. Uh, yeah, let's hope it's it's just a product of that and, and nothing more serious. Yeah, I think so. It's 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 not unusual to see them uh, pitch invasions in the the, the two like the playoff gate championship games, particularly when it's a you know, reasonable size stadium and. That's nearly every time, isn't it? When the when the team goes, that that's 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 every every season that happens. Um, yeah, that, you're talking things that happen a couple of times. Yeah, maybe maybe this is the season where it's been highlighted. What can you know? Uh, what can what can occur to players? Maybe you might see players lagging it down that tunnel a bit quicker, <laughs> getting out of harm's way a little bit quicker. I mean, that Billy Sharp's just hanging. I'm not not saying he deserves to be headbutted by the bloke he was hanging around there i mean you could see everyone was piling on the pitch i mean i think i'd have been straight down the tunnel unless he was trying to look out for one of his mates or something like that i don't know but uh yeah i don't know maybe just the players would be just straight out of there because it seems like these robert robin olsen wasn't seemingly in a big rush to get off was he <laughs> when he when mm-hmm. he got attacked i mean i'm not trying to trivialize these things at all they're serious and they shouldn't you know they shouldn't occur um the, the player shouldn't have to like it off, but certainly I think uh, I'll be on my toes as quickly as I can when when, when, the, when the big mob sort of running on the pitch, and maybe that might sort of make players a bit more aware of getting getting the heck out of there. <laughs> I think, like I think they might be. Thing. They might be now. They might definitely. Yeah, exactly. Based yeah, on the yeah. last week, be thinking, okay, we need to get out of here much quicker. And of course, you know, the situation at Goodison Park was was different because you know we've got this special situation where Palace actually had to get across the other the other corner of yeah. the ground to get out, rather than be able to follow Anthony Taylor legging it down the tunnel. Yeah, and sure. Surely moving on to that, surely that's not a thing anymore next season, right? This 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 COVID protocol of the other team having to get changed over there rather than walking out, it seems about absolutely nonsense now, doesn't it? Considering how much we've moved on from COVID. And again, yeah, not trying yeah, to trivialise COVID, case. but 
they've only on the pitch tackling each other and, <laughs> and all that. Yeah. seems absolutely madness, doesn't it, to, uh, to, to, to still be doing that. I hope that's the end of that next season, not just for pitch invasion, just because that should be the end of that now. That shouldn't start. I'm surprised that was even the case this season, actually, as well. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's a real tough one, to be honest, uh, pitch invasions. Um, I think the one thing is they are few and far between. And you're right, Andy, it's kind of like pitch invasion season at the moment, isn't it? And then that, that'll be uh, that'll be, that'll be finished uh, fairly soon. And then, uh, yeah, we can maybe close the book on it until May 2023, <laughs> hopefully. And, uh, yeah, and hopefully we won't be having to run on the pitch for, for them reasons again anyway. So See what happens when we go 3-0 down at home to Brighton on the opening day next season or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, please. Yeah. Let's end on the positive note, though. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's that for the season. Uh, we will, of course, be back in the coming weeks to discuss more about the squad rebuilding job facing uh, Kevin Thelwell and Frank Lampard. Any incomings or outgoings that might have occurred in the meantime. I will also be looking uh, into putting together some perhaps some interviews and different content based on uh, your feedback, you the listeners. Uh, but until then, um, take care and enjoy your summer. Relax, blues, breathe. We're still in the Premier League for another year and hopefully onward upward. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.